Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for our first NHL podcast. I'm Matt Meiselman. I'll be joined today by John Borelli. And we actually recorded this already. This is a separate recording I'm doing now because our intro got cut off. So John talked about himself a little bit for those that don't know him. He's made a few DraftKings Live finals. We both have backgrounds as Rangers fans. And we talked about the Rangers a little bit before you guys are cut in uh, where this audio starts, but... Some of that got cut off. So the first game here we're talking about is Rangers-Blue Jackets, which is on tonight. Uh, I mentioned some of the Rangers' struggles this year, but I guess we'll spare you because that part, the audio got, I don't know, jumbled somehow. But anyway, here it is. Yeah, well, I have a couple concerns. First of all, the Rangers, I think, will have Nick Holden, and they're going to have Holden and Camphor in the lineup tonight. And that's just, with Tony D'Angelo being the big acquisition from the offseason, or one of the acquisitions from the offseason, it's just very frustrating to see him not playing. And then, I think you've mentioned this um, in previous Rangers games this season, that stacking the top line against the Rangers isn't always the best move, because Ryan McDonough is probably the Rangers' only really good defensive defenseman. But he's playing with Mark Stahl now, so that pair is just a lot worse than, let's say, it would have been with McDonough and Shattenkirk, where the puck probably would have been on the other side of the ice more often than not. With McDonough playing with Stahl, it could be a lot more possession for Columbus. So are you concerned about that matchup, or do you view McDonough and Stahl as just not that good of a pair as a combination? Yeah. 
is in terms of uh, Dirkstad and Milano. So um, I, I think that could be another really sneaky play. Yeah, and because this is a five-game slate and we're talking specifically for GPPs for the most part, you, you can't really play the highest-owned line. I mean, if those Columbus top three forwards are all 30 to 40% owned, it just makes it really hard to do well in a tournament if you're using them. So I agree with you on that. I think if it was a larger slate, it might be more realistic to use them, but on a five-game slate, it's just tough. And then with Lundqvist, I think that'll be true, what you were alluding to before for most of the season, that he's going to face more shots this year with the way the Rangers play defense. So he could have a lot more downside in some games, but he also could have a lot more upside in some games where he's just facing a high volume of shots. And if he has a good game, it's extra fantasy points. So maybe that's the route to go for this game, but it's definitely a risky move if you want to play Lundqvist. It's totally a risky move. And you talk about a five game slate and I mentioned it before in some of the articles, the way, um, at least coming from a single or double entry player on a five-game slate, you, you just have to pick an upset. You know what I mean? If, if the ownerships are going to be so high on the best line, if you're not going to pick if you're not going to pick an upset with a goalie and make your goalie super unique, it's going to be really hard to get first place. And as a tournament player, I'm always playing for first place. You know, I, um, I, I would say for GPP out there, you know, for some people to use cash here and there, but, you know, I'm, I'm going for first place and you know what, tonight, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually looking at the Rangers' second line. They moved uh, Kevin Hayes, the center of the second line, with Zuccarello and Nash. And they've been super quiet so far to start the year, especially Nash. I think the Rangers have 10 goals, five of which are on the power play. And uh, and I think, what, four is the better jack? Maybe five? Yeah, I think I, so. I, I'm, not, I'm not 100%, but um, you know what, I, I, um, I, think, I think pairing that second line with Lundqvist, and maybe stacking up on a higher line, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, could be uh, just a unique lineup on a five-game slate. And that's what we're trying to do here on Workplay for First. Yeah, it makes plenty of sense. So I guess we'll move on to the next game, unless you have anything else on the Rangers. No, that, that, I think we nailed that one. All right, so let's move on to the other local team from, from my end. Uh, the Devils have actually played really well this season, and we can discuss if they've actually played well or they just had good results. But... I know that there's a part of this roster that you actually like that you were on in their last game. So where do you look when you look at the Devils and then, I guess, with the Capitals also, who they'll be facing at home tonight? Yeah, so the, the, the Devils, um, extremely young team. The Devils have been known over what, the past decade for slowing the pace down, being a defensive team, and, and, and really just kind of you know picking their spots. This team is completely different, full of young studs, whether it's Brad or... Wood, they're up and down the ice. It's a track meet. So think about the Toronto Maple Leafs from last year when they got all, you know, when Matthews and Nylander came in. And, and, and if you can compare it to that, um, they're, you know, it, it, it's really just an up and down, up and down match. Um, and you know what? They've been, they've been putting up that second line with Brad Johansson and Hersher all in the second car. But um, tremendous value, averaging probably about 4.4K on DraftKings. You could pair that line with any single line in, in, in on today's slate. Kershaw's number one pick overall, you know, been doing extremely well. I watched him in his first game. He, he looks like a wizard out there for being, uh, I don't even know, probably younger than 21 years old. I would not be surprised if that line is heavily used to pair with the more expensive line, but also if that, that could be on one of the, uh, the GPP winners tonight. So are you looking to pair them maybe with 
not their direct counterpart in the Capitals, but potentially their first line, because if the pace is what you're saying, where there's a high volume of shots for both teams, the Capitals obviously have one of the best first lines in hockey, and they have one of the best scorers in hockey in Alex Ovechkin. So could this be a game where there are extra opportunities for him because of the way the Devils play? And do you think the ownership on them could be a little lower because Corey Schneider has played so well this season? Uh, you know what? Corey Schneider has played really well this season. Um, I was on him a lot last season, and, you know, he just really didn't have a good year. Um, at the same time, I, I, I'm, almost, uh, I'm pretty sure the Devils haven't even lost yet. And I, I, I just, with the, the open ice that, that's available, I, I find it very, very hard to say the events in my time. Yeah, for sure. I think that the Caps will be at least a little bit chalky, so pairing them with more contrarian moves definitely makes some sense. Um, and then Braden Holpe, I think, probably just avoiding. He's pretty expensive, and the Devils' offense is probably a bit underrated. So the overrated part of the Devils might be Schneider, but the underrated part is probably their young scorers. So I think for goalie, look somewhere else to a cheaper option, like Lundqvist, who we mentioned before, or maybe one of the guys that we'll get to now. Yeah, I think uh, Severson will be the guy maybe to pair with the Devils' second line because they'll all be playing second power play time together. Um, but, yeah, it does look like there's some value uh, with a lot of their defenders. And, yeah, Santini's price is 2700 So if he's on the first power play unit, that's that's a no-brainer. I mean, any defenseman under 3000 on the first power play unit, I think, is worth at least a decent amount of consideration. But in what probably will be a decently paced matchup, I think that's even more of a boost. So cheap defensemen on top power play units, that's that's pretty rare to see. And I think we're always looking for that when looking for cheap D guys to fill in lineups. 100%. Yeah, 100%. He's not, he's not afraid to throw shots on that or even charge up on the rush, too. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a good play all around. So the next game to look at is the first game where we actually have some line movement to talk about. The Flames are taking on the Senators at home, and Calgary opened at minus 145. They're now up to minus 160, and that's with the money line bets being pretty much split evenly for both teams. Is it fair to say the Flames are a really underrated team this season? And I guess Ottawa may be overrated because 
a lot of people just don't realize the impact of Eric Carlson not being in the lineup? Yeah, people are people are actually just starting to realize, you know, what what they are without Eric Carlson, and you know, and they have not really. I think they sweep they sweep by they sweep by a win the other night, but um, they're not really looking good overall as a whole. Um, in, in terms of Calgary, I, I do think that they're underrated. They have great things. They're one of the best defense Panthers in the league, um, and also they play in a division, you know, with, with the Oilers and the, and the, and the Jets. And, they're kind of that little forgotten team, and um, it'll be interesting to see Yager on the third line with Rasteeg and Bennett. Bennett's a goal scorer, and Rasteeg and Yager are both on the uh, um, power play one, so that could be a sneaky play, too. But um, I spoke about it once before. Uh, Johnny Duroux and, 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 and Monaghan, um, they have a really crazy home away splits, and I have to do a little more research to find out what it is. But uh, Johnny Hockey scores a ton more at home, and just to speak about Mike Smith, you know, he, he's come back from, you know, the ages, and he, he's, he's doing really, really well. And he's facing a lot of shots, and he's stopping most of them. He, he can be an interesting play tonight, too, especially with the climate. Yeah, the, I guess the issue with Mike Smith is that he's one of the more expensive goalies tonight, but I do agree with you that in general, if he's He's, he makes for a decent play if he's not too expensive because he does face a lot of shots, and he's played well this year. I don't think he was a terrible goalie last year. He's probably a little bit above average, but I think I'm with you on targeting Calgary's top offensive guys. I did go with Yager to pair with their top line the other night just because they're all playing on the top power play line together, and Yager completely shit the bed. So hope, hopefully he looks a little bit better. Maybe he was just he's a little sluggish because it's first game back, but... He also could just be sluggish because he's really old now. So that'll be interesting to monitor because even last year, I think Yager was a pretty good goal scorer and he's been an elite goal scorer for his entire career. So if he's playing at all like his, even his last couple of years self, that would be a pretty big boost for the Flames offense. But their top line is a little bit cheaper than, let's say, the Caps top guys. And I think the expected output could actually be higher. So Johnny Hockey, I think, is... Definitely someone to look at. I don't really have a great feel for the ownership here, but if we're saying that Calgary is a bit underrated and Ottawa is a bit overrated, that could suppress the ownership on the Flames' top scorers. So maybe where you want to use some talent, obviously, on a five-game slate, but you also need to be pretty careful of ownership. That could be potentially a better spot than, let's say, Columbus's top line or the Caps' top line. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? The, the second line with Kachuk back when Pro League last year really, really came on towards the second half of the season. And they're a line that, obviously, that they, they all play on power play, too. And um, they, they have amazing chemistry. And, and it's very rare to see a goal that either not one of them assists or both of them assists. I think them and the Marner line together, in terms of chemistry, for some reason, whether it's cycling the puck or whatever it is, all of them, all of them seem to touch the puck. And it's, it's just one of those, when you see them hit the score sheet, and if you guys pay attention, you'll notice that, uh, that, that, that they all touch the puck. So that could be sneaky. The third line with, with Sam Bennett and Yager and Christine could be sneaky. Um, I just don't know how many goals they're going to put up tonight. Craig Anderson is, you know, was, was amazing last year. Hasn't really looked like himself. But also there's, there's Carlson, uh, yeah, one of the best defenders in hockey. Al, you, you, you never know. And, and Calgary puts up more at home. They're in line for the win here. Um, so, you know, all of those lines could be sneaky tonight. Yeah, for sure. All right, so the next game is, I think, maybe the biggest divide between what the public thinks and what 
maybe the sharp money thinks. It's a little bit hard to tell. We're recording this at 1.30 in the afternoon on the East Coast, so not tons of betting information to look at yet, but we do have a little bit. Uh, so the Ducks are in Colorado against the Avalanche. I think Varlamov has either been ruled out or is not the probable starter for tonight. Jonathan Bernier is either supposed to start or is definitely starting. Um, they're leaning towards using him. I think a couple different websites that I've looked at have him as the starter. And because of that, I think the Ducks are bigger favorites than they otherwise would have been, probably by too much. I don't know much about Bernier. Can you shed some light on him? Is he a decent backup goalie? You know what? He's, I would say he's an average backup goalie at best. Um, you know, he's been, he's been around with a couple teams, and normally I like to pick up. And I watched this, actually the full game where uh, when, when, uh, when Colorado was in, uh, in New Jersey, and he made some, he made some amazing saves and actually looked pretty well. Um, so overall, so um, I'm probably not going to go too heavy on Ducks here. And, and uh, the, the Ducks are traditionally known for scoring much more at home. But now that Patrick Eves is back and he's on a line with Perry and Getzloff, um, that's obviously a dangerous line. All of them are PP one. Colorado was the worst team in the league last year. And they've been kind of playing out of their mind so far, and a lot of that has to do with Verlamo. And he's not in tonight. Um, over 5.5. I, I'm first, it's not personally a spot for me that I'm, I'm going to pick on. I, I, I didn't realize Verlamo wasn't going to be in, so that makes me think a little bit more. But in terms of the second line, Cogliano, Raquel, and Silverberg, uh, Ryan Kessler used to center that line last year. And on short slate, I would go to that line every single time. And they just produce and they put up points to another line that also just touches the so um, I'm gonna have to do a little more thinking on that now that uh, Rolamov's out. Um, but in general, I, I do like to take the Ducks more normally. Just glancing at it quickly, though, it does seem like both of their top two lines are among the more expensive lines to stack for the night. So it just might be it might just be an issue of there being better spots for cheaper, like maybe Calgary, maybe some second lines that you've mentioned, because it's pretty pricey to use both of them. The average cost for the top line, I think, is six. 6,200 on DraftKings, and then the second line is about 6,200 also. It's just, it might not be that realistic to use both. Um, I'm not sure. I also just kind of view the Ducks as an overrated team in general. I think that's just following public sentiment a little bit. They tend to be a team where the Sharps are on the other side of their games a lot. I think the Sharp action has been against the Ducks in every game they've played this season. And we're not seeing a ton of line movement yet, but it looks like it's trending that way again. So they may just, even though it's a good spot for them, they might just be overpriced and slightly overvalued. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and it's hard to deny that Colorado is playing well. I just don't, I just don't know how long it's going to last. So do you like anyone from the Colorado side of the game offensively? <sighs> you know, it, McKinnon has really been nowhere to be found so far this year. Um, he's very, very streaky. Um, I'm, I'm always a very big Tyson Berry fan. Uh, Tyson Berry, uh, he's on the play one. He's probably one of their top defenses. Defensive side, Derek Johnson, is not shy to throw the puck on net at all times. He'll charge the rush. You know what? He, he loves taking the shot from from, from the power play. Um, so that could be an interesting one-off is, is Tyson Berry, but he'll be hearing a lot of that from me. He, he actually helped me qualify on, on both of my uh, drafting world finals, so I might be a little biased. <laughs> well, what's good about the Avalanche is their top line, they all play on the first power play unit. Their second line, they all play on the second power play unit. So even if those aren't the best spots to stack, you um, 
you can at least throw in a flyer on one or the other because there's a ton of correlation with them playing so much time together. And then Barry plays with the first power play unit. Johnson plays with the second power play unit. So I guess throwing Barry with your first line stacks or Johnson with your second line stacks could be an undervalued spot. They're, they're not very pricey on either end. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I know nearly as much about Tyson Barry as you do, but it does make sense that he's a skilled player who, if you're using the first line, you might as well pair them with him. Yeah, definitely. Just total uh, offensive defenseman is, is Tyson Barry for sure. All right, so we've got one game left, and it's the biggest story of young season, I think. The Vegas Golden Knights, who have been on fire, and I don't know, maybe they're extra motivated after all the crisis that's been going on in their area. Uh, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I watched their game against the Coyotes at least the first few minutes before it was a rout. And James Neal looked ridiculous, but I think he's priced up a lot for this game. So I'm pulling up his game-by-game costs. He's at 6,600 tonight. He opened the season at 5,100 on DraftKings. So he's up 1,500 from where he was just a week ago. And the pricing may be a little excessive here. I do like the spot with the Red Wings on a second game of a road back-to-back. But I think... They also can mitigate some of that effect, starting Mrazek over Howard. They're also not a very good team, though, so I'm kind of going back and forth here. The Golden Knights are cheap, too, so do you think this is a good spot for them? And also on Flurry, who's kind of one of the more expensive goalies. Yeah, Flurry's been playing amazing so far, and it's so interesting with the Vegas narrative before the season started, right right when the shooting happened down there. I, just, I, I, told, I told all of the people, all my friends, even whether they play DFS or not, I was like, I'm going to play the Vegas Knights especially that first home game. I'm a huge guy in the narrative, and I haven't, I haven't played him once. And I'm sitting here, like, like kicking myself. Um, but at the same time, it's, it, they don't have a particular line that, I mean, obviously, Jason Neal, James Neal is, is a great option. He's been scoring a ton of goals. But, I mean, he plays with Oscar Lindbergh and, and, and Smith, who, you know, it's decent. You know, it, the first line with Braun uh, and, and, and Marshall is, is also a good line. They're just... Just, I mean, here's where, where I'm confused is that, you know, Detroit's on a back-to-back, the over-under is 5.5, and you have two of the worst teams in the league playing against each other, so it's like, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% really on, on either of the teams. Um, Detroit played late last night, too, um, so I'm thinking that they could be tired, and um, it's one of those things, if you want to continue to play with the narrative, go for it, and if you want to just say the narrative's on tonight, go against it. So it's kind of interesting what you think of. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is fade the Red Wings because it is the second game of a road back-to-back. I think their scoring could be down, and Fleury's played pretty well. But as far as finding scoring on the Golden Knights, I don't really know where you look. I mean, James Neal has been their best scorer, but he's also by far their most expensive player. They mix up their power play unit a lot. Uh, they you they have On their first unit, they have guys from their first and third lines playing there. Their second unit is all over the place. So I don't even know how you go about targeting this team. I think if they could score four goals tonight and it could come from four different lines, and that would be expected. I mean, for most teams, you're going to say the top line is responsible for most of the goals. This team isn't very good. Their scoring is more spread out. So I don't really know how you go about figuring out which players will do well for them. Exactly, yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to for the most part, stay off the nights just, just until I can see, see them play a little bit more and you know, see which lines are having the chemistry. That are worth playing. Obviously, they're very cheap, and I'm sure they'll be switching their lines around a bunch too. So once once they get things a little set in stone, I'll, I'll be able to count them more consistently. But for 
Yeah, 3,200. Okay. He is cheap. Yeah, just quickly scanning the uh, the defensemen that we'll probably be targeting are two of the Devils guys, Butcher and Santini, both very cheap, and I think both on the first power play unit, and then Cronwall. Those are, I think, the only first power play unit defensemen that are below 4,000 on DraftKings. So those probably will be three guys that we're looking at. Even if you're fading the Detroit-Vegas game entirely, definitely look to Cronwall. That makes, that makes a ton of sense because, like we were talking about before, cheap defensemen on the top power play unit, that's very hard to find. All right, well, I think, unless you have anything else, I think that'll wrap it up. Um, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty much it tonight. Um, you know what? I, I, I might get a little crazy. I might play one foot with, uh, with the Rangers and, and pair to Ovechkin. That's, that's where I'm at right now with, with just my, my first single entry. But don't forget about the Devil's second line, which you can, you can pick pretty much anyone you want if you stack that line. They're quick, they're fast, they all play on the power play. I don't know how much, you know, hope people give up, but... Um, a ton of value there. And even if you're thinking of a Hersher one-off or a Rat one-off, Rat 3,700, Hersher's uh, 4,800, um, I think this is, uh, those are actually Vandal fetches. But either way, those, those one-offs are always um, always interesting. So Yeah, I agree. And then I don't know if I like it or hate it as a fellow Rangers fan that we're going Lundqvist and, the, and a bunch of Rangers offensive players. I mean, it's scary, but I'll, I'll be happy to root for them at least. We can have twice the benefit if they do well being fans of the team, which is weird for me to say because the Rangers are literally the only team that I care about in sports, and it hasn't been fun rooting for them this year. But hopefully Lundqvist has a good game tonight, and especially so if we're using him. Yeah, you know what? Um, just in terms of bounce-back games, what they do on the road, it's, you know, the, the reasoning is, is there. Again, and like I mentioned at the very beginning, Columbus at home is, 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 is and especially the Cam Atkinson line, is, is, is pretty much my go-to every time. So it's me going against that. But, um, I, um, I mean, the Rangers are, I mean, they're only, Columbus is only favored, uh, I think it's the money line uh, minus 141. Yeah. So it's, like, it's not uh, roughly around there, so it's not, I mean, and, and let's pay attention to line movement too, because it's still early, but, um, So yeah, like you said, we'll definitely be following the line movement on Twitter. We'll be posting on Twitter about the line movement. We'll have a couple articles up today. And then uh, you can follow me at Preaching Sense. What's your Twitter handle, John? Uh, Twitter is jbojbo2727. Got it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, hopefully you tune in next time. We'll have many more of these coming as the hockey season continues. So uh, that'll be it for today. And uh, we'll be back, I think, sometime next week.